You alright? Yeah, yeah, I'm alright. Yeah, just, um... It's a lot right now, isn't it? It is a lot. There's a lot. There is a lot. <sighs> Would you like a rest? Oh, that sounds lovely. Oh, come on in. Oh, thank you. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Dale. And I'm not Jane Harris Magna. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It's a podcast. Two queer trans ladies tell you about the media we've consumed. Unless we take a couple of weeks off, as we have recently done. Yeah, this is the first post-marriage episode, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we, marriage, we, marriage. we did an impromptu marriage. Marriage. Yeah. Yeah, we weren't. We we were like, oh, at some point, at some point, we will do a marriage, and then we got offered a free marriage. Free marriage. And so we very quickly did a marriage. Hashtag marriage carriage. Yeah, got married on a train. Choo choo. And everything. It was. We had a lovely, wonderful time. Choo choo. And we got married very, very quickly, and had to do our first dance without falling over on a moving train. Yeah, one hundred and twenty-five miles an hour. Yeah, that's the joy of the Pendolino. It's a leaning train, so... It, it is one of them leaning trains. Yeah, during the service, or during the ceremony, and during the first dance, and while we were being papped for for um, uh, cutting the cake, there were... Like, if you look at the photographs of us cutting the cake, there's several where I'm just leaning very hard on the table, trying Cut, not to fall over. Cutting the cake is the main <laughs> one that I think about, because it's the one I've got where, a like, knife! We've got a knife, and we've had to take at least one hand off of something we could be using to support ourselves to, right. to pose with the knife. And we're all supposed to, supposed to be sort of cuddled up to each other, so the other yeah. other hand can't even be used for holding And you anything. can't put the weight on the knife hand, because otherwise you'll accidentally start cutting the cake before the photo's done. Oh. Uh, the knife! A knife! Yeah, we had a lovely time, it though. It was lovely. It was and, a lovely day, we got to see lovely people, yeah. and have a lovely time. We we did. It was very nice having a wedding where we just sort of showed up and a wedding happened and we didn't wedding. really have to do anything once we got there. Wedding planners are magical, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. I seems like they'd probably be expensive if you had to pay for them, but like, hey, takes a lot of stress out of the wedding day. Mm-hmm. Having someone who's just like, Oh yeah, we sorted the schedule, just sort of go where we tell you when yeah. we tell you. Yeah. I mean, the most organisation I did all day was like, can I try and get all of the groups of people in front of the thing to take pictures? Yes, so that our little um, photo album had all the groups of people in it. Yeah, I think I think we got all all, all laid yeah. down. Oh, by the, by the time we got back on our train train wedding, there was already a photo album with photos from the morning. Yeah. The little little train shaped things of cake. Little train shaped boxes of cake and a cake that was shaped like a train separately to all that train cake. And some little enamel pins of the the Pendolino Pride train. Yeah. Yeah. And and also I made pride pins for I made um, pronoun pins for everyone. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Because we knew there was going to be a lot of non-binary people at the wedding or people who use multiple pronouns. Just like, I'm going to make this easier for the the boomers who are coming. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. So yeah, we we I think since we last did an episode of this, um, the wedding happened, and also trans rights protest outside Downing Street happened. Yeah. It has been a busy couple of weeks. 
I, 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 I've been a sleepy bean. It's been a lot. Cheer up, sleepy bean. Yeah, my protest went well. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we did many speeches. It was yeah. a very rainy day, except for about the three hours that we were doing speeches. It just about stayed sunny and dry for those three hours. I don't know, there's that picture in your speech where someone's holding an umbrella over you. Oh yeah, no, it's... We, we got all the way to the penultimate speech before <laughs> rain started, and even then the rain stopped again after the final speech. Like... There's like two, maybe three dramatic speeches at the end <laughs> where the wind whipped up and the rain started to to swell and, you know, I think it made my speech all the more dramatic, yeah. the fact that like the, the rain's thundering down and I'm, I'm there like, I'm very dramatic about wanting change. Ah, <laughs> uh, Life's... We, we, a lot's happened. A lot has happened. So apologise also... for the apologies for the missing episode, but uh, we're back. I, I think if we could ever justify missing missing a week, it's probably this couple of weeks. Wedding, 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 wedding. wedding. So we we played some things this week, just about, or this couple of weeks. Yeah. What have you played this week? Oh goodness, we played. Uh, uh, I played seven billion humans. Oh, this is this is one well, of those Tomorrow Corporation games. Yeah. The uh, World of Goo people. The World of Goo people. The Little, Little Inferno. Inferno people. The uh, Human Resource Machine. And it's another one of those what if programming, but fun puzzle game. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the only one I'm aware of of that studio's ideas where they were like, what if we mechanically just did that again? Kind of. Yeah, I think that is the first time they've done sort of a, a sequel to something. Although I don't. I don't remember a human resource machine well enough to say how closely it follows. Uh, my my memory is narratively not so much mechanically. Yeah, they clearly yeah, cut from mecha- a similar cloth. Mechanic, me- mechanically, <laughs> uh, mechanically, I know that um, human resource machine is styled on assembly code. Hmm. Uh, I don't know what seven billion humans is is based on, but it it. It's it's got a lot of the elements I recognise from more like basic programming. The jump yeah. command feels very much like go to. Yeah. So it's like very easy basic. There's a few commands in there that I struggled with. Yeah. For the like I got all the way through the game. It's like sixty something levels, including like all the, the side missions. And I I only really cheated twice. One of those was because I just didn't understand how yes. a new command worked. The for each command, I was like, I don't... Yeah. I can't see what it's doing. I've tried. I don't get it. Yeah. So... I, I don't think that counts. <clears throat> I think I think there's one one level out of a whole game's worth of programming stuff that you were like, ah, this one's not working. I'm going to Yeah, there was, there was one I really couldn't get. And it was... And I think I would have been able to do it had I had all of the commands... Yeah. But it was one of those ones where it's like, ah, but we're going to stop using from this particular thing. And after fanning about with it for two hours, I was like, I don't know. Oh, and none of my code is particularly tidy. There were a good few towards the end where it's like, I've written 87 lines of code. And it's 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 all... It all makes sense to me. Some of it's even commented. <laughs> and then, like, getting to the score, and it's like, yes, but you could have done it in 14. A fucking what, mate? I mean, look, efficient, <laughs> elegant, concise code is great and all, but if it functions, it functions. 
It does. If you made functional code, you did the job. I did the job, but it, it would it would be nice to have a brain that goes, oh yeah, you can do the thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like that's the thing is to is to maybe go back over it at some point and go, okay, here's how I did it. Can I work out a better way? There's a couple I've looked at like solutions for like, okay, how do you do the seven line versions? Like, I can see that. I can see that 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 your answer does work. It feels to me like it has too many potential holes to go wrong, and I guess that is my problem. I am over-engineering everything for, ah yes, but what if this happens? Yes, yeah, it's, are you future-proofing your code, um, <laughs> or are you solving the literal problem in front of you? Well, part of the problem is that it talks about um, robustness quite early on. It's like, ah, you did this thing, but what if I were to say, change the numbers? Yeah, because you've done this thing based entirely on on what the numbers were initially, it doesn't work. Yeah. So now I'm like trying to future proof everything up the wazoo. Yeah, and, that's, that's and a... suddenly it's not the case. Even though, like, clearly, when you you run the test cases with the like the nine nine yeah. version, those cases don't actually come up nearly as much as as I worried that they would. Yeah, I I feel like there's a small amount of that that it requires from you that is like. Are you actually solving the problem? Because, like, there is potential for you found a thing that gave the right answer, but only because, like, this specific problem is in front of you and it wouldn't, like, you didn't actually solve the thing that's at the core of this. Yeah. But there's there's that, and then there's, like, yeah, but what if, what if, what if, I'll, I'll make it more robust just in case. Yeah. And I mean, like, again... Maybe making extra work for yourself, but also I can see how long term that's probably helpful. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, I I enjoyed it. I would like to do like I did coding as a child, like very basic programming. Um, and then as I got older, I looked at other programming languages and was like, I'd love to learn this. I have no idea what a static void does. <laughs> I don't know how to use that properly. I can't finish all my lines with semicolons. I'll never remember to do that. Um, yeah, like, I like it. I tried to get into Scratch for a little while, and then I just forgot, because I had so much else going on. Life's like that sometimes. Like, I'd love to learn more coding um, at some point. And and something visual and in in that sort of style might be a thing to do sometime. But anyway, what about you? What have you played? Ah, the main thing I've played this week is I, I played all the way through Boyfriend Dungeon. Ooh. So this is a dating sim meets dungeon crawler. Uh, you play someone who's moved to a new town that is populated by a bunch of people who can transform between human form and weapon form. So like, oh hey, that cool fencing sword is also a hot businessman. That sort of red and black sort of gothic saber, that's a mysterious man who owns a nightclub. Go on some dates learn new new moves to use with your weapons, go do dungeon crawling in order to unlock more dates with the weapon, to unlock new moves, to go do more dungeon crawling. You sort of back and forth between the two. Um, mechanically, there's a lot of stuff I like. I feel like the core gameplay loop is really fun. I think that all of the various weapons available in the game play very differently to each other. Um, there is a good amount of variety... I like that you can only level up a weapon a maximum of once per dungeon run, 
So if you get to the end of a floor of the dungeon and you've currently, you know, hit that next level with your weapon, it's like, hey, why not play a bit with another weapon as well? Get them leveling up as well, because that one's just not gaining any experience. That sort of encourages you to cycle through your weapons and have more things on the go at once. Um, In terms of the dating sim angle... Uh, there is zero punishment for dating all of the all of the weapon characters in a single playthrough. It's all Poly good. Polyamory. Exactly. Polyamory. <laughs> um, I really like that the game has a setting that I've seen people talk about a lot in the past, but never seen implemented before. The uh, the option to turn off text messages from mum. Uh, Animal Crossing is a good example of a game that has this problem. It's a game where you create a character that's ostensibly meant to be you, and then you receive messages from apparently your mother, and that can be kind of upsetting for some people. This game has an option to just go, just want to turn the mum messages off? Cool, done. Um, that's pretty neat. Um, I got I got a couple of, li- couple of little problems with it, but like generally I really enjoyed my time through it. Um... There's not a huge amount of replayability to the dungeon crawling stuff. It is a couple of linear dungeons, and it's not like a Hades or something where you're getting different loadouts and different builds as you go through, and different enemies are showing up in different orders. And like, there's not that same level of reason to go back and replay the dungeon combat after you've finished. Okay, so you're um, gonna have to fight that telephone crab a lot. I mean, you're gonna have to do it each time you. Go through that floor on a run, and if if you get a certain uh, distance down through the the run and get defeated, you can choose to start at a lower floor. So you could go. I don't want to fight that telephone crab boss again. I'll start after that okay. that floor, so you can you know skip a little further down. But ultimately, there's not a huge amount of replayability beyond I want to get good with all the weapons once through. Mm-hmm. Um. I very much like that the narrative is short, concise, it is very much focused on just the dates, which is great for people with things like ADHD, dyslexia, who are not in, uh, who may not suit well reading large chunks of text like in a lot of visual novels. Um, it basically fills a lot of that bonding and character, and like that sort of fluff time in the narratives with the dungeon crawling instead. So um, it, it keeps the, the writing to the point, which is nice. Um, there's a couple of the narratives that feel a little railroady in how they end, um, where I'm like, oh, there, there is just no way to get, get this narrative to end a way other than how it does. And I get that that's realistic to relationships. Sometimes relationships are going to end up the way they're going to end up, but it... Yeah, there's a couple of moments I, I wish like I'd felt a bit more in control, but that's about the biggest problem I had with it. Um, also, like, so the game has been patched since it released, um, but at launch the game contained some content warnings at the start, and the content warnings weren't terribly well executed. Um, the biggest problem with them is that they used a lot of might language for things that definitely will happen in your playthrough, like there's no might about it and sort of talked about certain topics in the game as if they were going to be passing references, when in fact they are unavoidable core parts of the narrative that will be directed on on an ongoing basis towards your player character. And, like, that's not great 
signage with you with your content warnings. They could have been more helpful. That's apparently the patch is available on PC now. Going to take a little, little while for console versions. Probably have they added anything to the, the storefronts yet? Um, my understanding is no. Those content warnings still do not appear on the storefront, which is fine for certain digital storefronts. Less so for things like the Switch, where you can't get refunds. Hmm. Um, so yeah. It, I had a great time with that game, but be aware, particularly if you're going to buy it on a platform that doesn't have refunds, um, the game's marketing is very light, fluffy visual novel. There are themes about having to endure having a stalker that you're going to have to be okay with, and if those are a thing that are going to be a problem for you, probably better that you know before you spend money that you can't get refunded. Um, but like, I, I I really enjoyed the game. I had a very good time with it. Um, I'm very glad I took the time to play it. Played through it in about ten hours. Couple couple of lengthy play sessions. I was done. I had a good time with that game. Yay! What about you? What have you played this week? Oh gosh, played a few games. Uh, we played some Everdell. <gasps> we did. Uh, this is a delightful town builder, um, a hand management game, board mm. game. Uh, so basically, there is a, a a a small woodland, and you are basically trying to build the best village slash town of fifteen cards in front of you that you can. Yeah, and you might get some engine building aspects out of that. Uh, basically, at the end of it, you're going to score your town. Whoever's got the highest score based on various aspects will win the game. I dropped my phone. Oh no! <laughs> um, it seems yeah. It's, I mean, it seems like it's a pretty simple idea. It, yeah. Um, the, the like it's for, for an engine builder. Like it's it feels like it definitely scratches the itch of something like terraforming Mars, hmm. but in a much more simplistic way and one yeah. that doesn't take like two to three hours. Yeah, it's it's a pretty short runtime game in that it. It's basically a worker placement game at its core, uh, but you only have a very specific, very limited number of times that you can cycle through your workers before the game ends, and that sort of necessitates the game having a very defined length. Um, but it's got this interesting mechanic where you can basically get more turns in the game by building up your engine in such a way that you're generating turns that don't use workers. Yes. So, for example, like, oh, um, this t any turns you spend doing things like spending the resources your workers have gathered to build a new shop for your town, that's something that won't take up workers to do, mm -hmm. or certain, uh, certain buildings you might have in your little town might give you a free worker without having to spend resources, and that won't require using a worker to do... See, you find little things where it's like, ah, if I can set up a chain of, let's say, four or five things I can do in a row that don't use up my workers, that's basically extra turns in the game I've got that my opponent hasn't, and I feel like that's a big part of... Yeah, seems to be, a, like, a victory. Um, yeah, basically your workers are probably the, the, the most limited resource you have in the entire game, mm. and it's, what can I do to make like the absolute most out of everything. How can I generate the most resources? 
what can I do that's going to generate me other things, possibly other turns, uh, possible future turns? Yeah. What have you got? What have you got? Tell me the things. Yes, and trying to get things that combo into each other. So like, yep. oh, every, every time I play a card, I get to draw a card, and that means that I'm going to have extra stuff that I can throw away in exchange for resources later. It's trying to do things that will give you other resources that will let you do other things later. Yep, and potentially, obviously, trying to churn through the deck to find the best cards you can to try and make the most out of it. Yeah, I really like Everdell. Um, I'm seriously stroking the website for the... uh, the the backer kit at the moment because they had a, <laughs> a Kickstarter I think ended in April. Uh, of course, I would discover this game after the big Kickstarter where it's like we're doing a complete edition with all five expansions <laughs> and a wooden ever tree and all the other stuff. Um, we were lent this game rather than buying it. Um, we didn't get the tree with it, so we're having to work out from the manual what things the tree does. Yeah. But um. Yeah, because apparently the the cardboard one that comes in the, the standard edition of the game doesn't uh, really appreciate being built and taken apart too often, uh, which is a shame because it's a really nice little prop to have at, at one end of the board. Um, so yeah, the complete edition is, is I'm sort of like, can I justify $200 for this? And can I justify it in a hurry? Because I suspect that backer kit's not going to be around forever. Um, so yes, um, yeah, I desperately want to get a copy of this now, because it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What have you played? Uh, I've started playing the beginnings of a couple of other, uh, cute little indie games. Oh yeah, um, been around all the Nintendo Direct stuff, huh? Yeah, I played the first couple of hours of a game called Button City, <gasps> um, which is a game about cute anthropomorphic animal characters trying to save the local arcade from the greedy capitalism that's gonna try and shut down the arcade. Um, there's also just a game about someone moving to a new town and making making friends with new people and the joy of video games as a shared thing to make friends through. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely adorable art style. Um, very vibrant, memorable characters. Um, but one of the neatest little things about it is that the, the the arcade in in the game has a bunch of functional arcade machines with little, little different minigames that you can do and get better at and unlock new modes for and like keep coming back to throughout the game to have more stuff to do with. And they're all really good quality little minigames. I saw you doing drifting last night. Yeah, there was a racing one where the gimmick was uh, you've got a boost meter and the boost meter recharges basically infinitely fast if you're doing um, big drifts around corners. Mm -hmm. So a big part of doing well in it seemed to be um, as soon as you were coming up to a corner, boost, drift, ride that drift as long as you can because you could just keep the boost held down while that drift is happening and trying to get from drift into drift into drift into drift as you went around the track. Yeah, this is real neat. Nice. Uh, there's a, there's a cool little DDR mini game that was deceptively tricky. I had a good time with. Da-da. There's a little three on three team. It's it's a little bit of a MOBA, but what if you were collecting fruit and throwing it in a big blender to make a smoothie to try and make a bigger smoothie than the other team? Mm, the biggest smoothie. Yeah, so with smooth. your fruit based robots. Mm, robots. Yeah. Robots. Yeah. 
it's it's really charming. I I need to play more of it and see where it goes, but I it's delightful and I'm having a lovely time with it so far. Yay! What about you? Um, uh, we played Kemet Blood and Sand. <gasps> we did. This is a uh, a new version of Kemet, which is supposed to be a pretty good dudes on a map style war game. Um, this is, I understand, like, what if Comet 1.5? Mm. We've, we've upgraded some stuff, we've changed some stuff, we've streamlined some stuff. Here's more Comet. Um, so basically you have a, a large scalable map. You will move various things around depending on player count. Uh, in two player, you will have like a big swirly thing on one side of the board and you'll only play one side of the Nile. Hmm. And you are trying to build pyramids to uh, allow yourself uh, the ability to uh, buy certain powers. And hmm. um, the high, taller your pyramid is, the higher level of things you can buy. Hmm. And amongst those things that you can buy are the ability to get hold of certain uh, like monsters, like giant snakes yeah. and um, sphinxes and and. All sorts of uh, fantasy creatures uh, of of Egypt. Uh, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, um, I like the asynchronous nature of sort of how both teams will end up having different sets of abilities that they've picked throughout the course of the game, dictating their playstyle in this little very very focused war game. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's um. It's got that kind of crunchiness that you would get from something like War of the Ring, but it definitely plays a lot quicker. Yes. And uh, the, the 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 actual fighting style is a bit more like, uh, I think you mentioned Scythe at the time. Yeah. Just like that. Okay, I'm going to play some cards in my hand with, with my fight. You know, like, some of the scoring for that. You know that I initiated the fight. You know how many people I've got with me. And you might know that I've got like bonuses from my um tableau that I built out of the tiles I purchased. Yeah. Um but you don't know what cards I'm gonna have. In fact one the the card that you are given by default is a psych I'm playing a card. You don't know that it's actually nothing. Yeah. It's just a card to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 combat has a really good sort of bluff double bluff element to it, but mm. it's nice and quick, nice and simple. Yeah. Uh, no randomized element to no. it. It's just it's a little bit mathsy, but like, yeah, it's not too bad. Um, yeah, there's a lot of ways to like warp around the board to fast travel around various ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there are very easily defined bonuses for controlling certain parts of the board. Yep. Um, you get rewarded for winning combat, and mm. basically, hey, first to a certain number of points wins. Because it's a relatively low point number threshold you need to win, it I, th- I feel like it does encourage combat because, mm. you know, if if you can pull it off, a single fight brings you a noticeable chunk closer to victory. Yeah. But the penalty for picking a fight and losing that fight that you started is pretty, heavy. pretty harsh. But at the same time, like, I felt like I was doing the best myself when combat was going well and when I was being aggressive. Yeah. But, like, when combat was going badly and I was being aggressive, it was like, oh, dear. Um, and, like, the, the the way you clean up after a battle, you have an opportunity to just go, I will move all of my things back and you can choose where I retreat to. So I could retreat somewhere really unhelpful to me 
or I can just suck them off the board and have um like for every two uh, units you remove, you get like some of the points used to summon them back. Yeah. So it's not a complete loss, but that does um stop you getting into a position where. Okay, I had this one person left. You've made them retreat to somewhere specific. Mm. Uh oh! Now you're going to start another fight with them, which will generate you more bonus points, and that that, bring you that. That's the thing. It it prevents you going like I'm going to strategically kill half of your army, and that half then won't be strong enough for me to attack them again, and basically get victory points twice for essentially the same army I took down. Yeah. And I wasn't smart enough to get my dudes off the map sometimes. <laughs> but, like, yeah, it's um, it's definitely one I want to play a bit more of. But um, I liked the sort of compactness of it. Once we got through the rules, another one of those war games is like, yes, you're going to need a little minute to get through the rules. But once you've got through the rules, it's kind of okay. Yeah. Um, And it moves pretty swiftly. Like, you've got that day-night cycle of day, I do five things... And I have to spread them out across my pyramid to make sure that I've done some of each of these things. And I I have to um, uh, try and move things around in a certain way and try and buy things. And then you've got your night phasers like, okay, well, what am I getting um, prayer points from? I think it's called. Or, yeah. Yeah. Pre- like, what are you getting your, your faith? How is that coming to you? Mm. Okay, cool. Now you've got like an income, you've got things, are you ready for the next day? Let's go again. And it is just that cycle of do five things, recover, do five things, recover. And yeah, like I say, it's a bit mathsy, but like there's nothing wrong with sitting there with a calculator and it's (laughs) it's not going to take long. Yeah. But so yeah, what about you? What else have you played? Uh, very quickly, I started playing a game called Garden Story. It's a little top-down RPG. You play as a little happy purple grape. Oh, yeah, adorable. Um, typical fantasy thing. The world tree is dying. There's oh. pollution that's there. you got to go around with your tiny little sword fighting the pollution. <laughs> no, you got to fight them. Um, West. Yeah, adorable little game. Uh, more crunchy than I expected it to be mechanically in that like once you get the ball rolling on the plot you are basically in charge of protecting this little village and every day you're given a couple of uh, a few different quests to complete to help the village and let's say you die before you complete those three quests for the day well, that day's just gone. You can't do those quests now. You're on the next day. And the days are numbered, which leads me to think that I have to get a certain level of village preparedness probably before something. And it's like, oh, if I if I if I die, I I can just lose a day and I not feel three again. Yeah, it's <laughs> it it feels um a little intimidating in that Ooh, regard. Um also one thing that like I really actively dislike is in the tutorial when you're starting to go through this. Uh, it's like, okay, these are your three quests for the day, and it puts little markers on the map for where each of the three quests is. And I'm like, okay. that's great, that's wonderful, that's super helpful for me. You get into the game proper, and it's like, there's no markers for where the quests are, and I'm like, I'm actively finding this a lot more difficult. I, I don't know where these places are that these quests are. I feel really... Oh. I feel like I've been dropped out of my depth all of a sudden. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, so fun game. Really wish it would just fucking tell me where the quests are on the map like it did in the tutorial. That was really helpful. Okay, and you can't generate your own somehow by, like, knowing the name of the area or anything? Not that I can tell. Huh. Personally, it helps to have a map. It helps to have a map that, like, points out... This, this, you've got three things to do today. Here's where they are. Go have a look. Where are they? <laughs> no, but where are they, though? <laughs> That's the thing. It feels really... It feels a little bit smug with itself in that regard. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Cute game. Go in being aware that it's a little bit... It's a little bit more... Um, it's going to not hold your hand in a way that I hoped a game this cute and adorable would hold my hand just a little tiny bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. What about you? What have you played this week? Uh, we played Subastral. So it's a card game, hand management, I guess, tableau building. Yeah. Uh, set collection. So you have these uh, six clouds laid out in front of you. Two of them, uh, or six of them will have, or all of them will have at least one card. Two of them will have an extra card on. And you have a choice. You can either, you basically take a card from your hand, you put it down somewhere on the tableau, and if you pick up from one side, you get to pick up all of the cards from whichever cloud you pick, plus one from the deck. Or you can put those cards that you pick up directly in front of you. Yeah, so let's say you had a four in your hand and you played it. You play it on the number four. Uh, The numbers to the left of it, one through three, uh, if you picked up from those ones, you'd add them to your hand. If you picked up from one of the aisles to the right, you'd put them in front of you as part of your tableau. Mm -hmm. Um, So the cards you have in your hand are important because they dictate where you can play things down and therefore how far to the left or right you can be picking things up or moving things to your tableau. Oh, yes. But um, at the end of the game, you're scored based on what your largest set is. And you, the way you lay out your set, uh, your tableau is really important. So there are limited numbers of each card in the deck. Mm. You don't know exactly how many, because depending on how many people are playing, there are a certain number that is just locked behind the end game card at the bottom of the deck. Mm. You don't know what they are. So you can't guarantee you can get a full set or or like how many of a set is just yeah. just just nebulous and, and not necessarily there. Um when you first get cards, you have to like lay them out in front of you from left to right. But if you've already got one of a particular suit, you need to put that as like the next layer down. At the end of the game you're scored for mixed sets, so your longest mixed set is do you have all eight cards or just seven of them from left to right? How does that go? And then your next complete set. But if you haven't got any of your number, whatever your number one card is, that doesn't count. So you've got to go, it's got to go one, two, three, all the way across. So like any gaps you have in there are going to fuck you over. Yeah. And then it's like your two largest sets, but it takes the set, the largest set. If there's a, a, a tie, it will take the set to the left. So if you've got three of one and three of something else, you'll score the one further left which will be worth fewer points yeah because they're based uh one to one to eight um how many cards you have from one to eight depending on the position in the ray yeah i it's a very simple set of rules but i think what it does really well is it splits your priorities in that uh if you're trying to complete sets it's to your benefit to have the more common cards to the left because it means that there's a better chance that your your 
second row will get further further along and you'll have more decently completed sets but also it's advantageous to have your most common cards at the right hand side because then if you make them your most common set they're worth the most points there and it's trying to balance do I where do I put the most common cards do I put them where it's going to help me set build or do I put it where it's going to help me duplicate build mm-hmm. a fascinating little game yeah it's it's really impressive for a a game that in a box that small uh, it's nice and quick as well. It's maybe yeah. a 15 minute or yeah, so. Yeah, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, even teaching it doesn't take that long. I mean, we pretty much covered all of the things. It's probably not super easy to tell from just us saying it, but yeah, it's... With a visual reference, it it's pretty yeah. quick to pick up. And with all Renegade games, the the uh, Game Boy Geek has done a instructional video on how to play it. It's not very long. Uh, yeah. There are variants to the game in the manual if you want to do some slightly different stuff. We have not played with that yet, but yeah, it's it's a nice, fun, quick little game. Uh, maybe like a, a nice warm up for for a, a game day. Scales from two to five players, and uh, yeah, I really enjoy. It. I like the artwork as well. It's very beautiful. yeah. What about you? Have you played anything else? Uh, the main other thing I've been playing a little bit of is I've been playing a little bit more Train Simulator. Yes. Um So ma- mainly the thing that's happened this week is I'm now a moderator of the Train Simulator speedrunning. Uh, community on speedrun.com um so yeah that's that's a game that i've been wanting to speedrun for a while and did not have a active moderation community and now that it does again oh i'm gonna be setting some speedrun times on that game i'm gonna be doing some very fast train journeys and encouraging others to come for my scores Mm mm-hmm I'm determined I'm going to have rivals. I'm going to bring some rivals into that community. Build up another little speedrun community. Good plan. Yeah. What about you? What have you played? Uh, Also, other games I've played. Uh, We played some more Skyward Sword HD. We did. Uh, We've completed the tablet. And we are just starting to go back into those now. Yeah. We've done a bunch of side quests. Groot has discovered the ground. And had a bit of an existential crisis. Yep. Uh, we fought Garyhim again. Yeah, we fought Gary. Gary. <laughs> Gary. Um, what else? Oh, we played through Merv. Um, Heart of the Silk Road again. Yeah, took a bit of picking back up because <laughs> that game has too many fucking mechanics. It's got so many mechanics. It has an intimidating number of mechanics. Even when you've played it before, you pick it up after a while and go. Oh god, yeah, there's like eight things I could be doing any given turn. To be fair, this is only the second time we've played it. <laughs> I feel like we've played it more than twice. We might have played it three times, but that's it. Yeah. We've we've only got it out, like, twice. So it would have been probably the weekend we got it or the weekend after we got it. We might have played it two days then. I I thought we'd only played it one, but... If, I'm if pretty we... sure we've played it more than once, okay. but it's... Oh, it's, it's intimidating. It's intimidating. As you say, there's, like... Uh, what, so there's... Uh, the walls, the mask, the palace, uh, the marketplace, the caravanery... Um, I think there's somewhere else you can go in there as well. Yeah, uh, the b- building reputation. Yeah, there's influence points and um, what other sort of things you can buy as well. Yeah. Can you buy things from the caravanery yet or not? Um, have How are you ordering yourself in the in the turn order for the next round? Are the Mongols attacking this turn? Yeah, so we've, we've talked about this game before. Like the, 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 the mechanics are fairly simple other than the huge number of things you can learn to do, but it's basically um, 
pick a pick a row and which build which square on a row to build a building on. It'll have a picture of what what act action you get to do for picking that one. You get resources for the squares you've picked. If you have lots of buildings of the same color in a row, you get all of their resources. So there's strategic placement trying to make that happen. Depending on like whoever takes the furthest row along when picking where to place their thing will go first in the turn order, unless people use a resource to push themselves up the turn order. Um, it's There's a lot of interconnected mechanics, and I... This is one of those games where I would be terrified to try and teach someone this game. Oh no, I'm getting I'm I'm getting Randy to do that. Yeah, but yeah, because like it, it, if I had to explain Rodney. this game to someone, yeah, if I had to explain this game to someone myself from scratch, I'd be like, I don't know where to start, and I don't know how to not make this overwhelming. I mean, it's a fairly overwhelming game. Yeah, we've we've played it before, and watching that that recap video, I was like, <laughs> this is a lot of things. <laughs> We got it though. Yeah, we had a great time once we were playing yeah. it, but watching the video. <laughs> yep. Yup, 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 yup. We played Clank in Space uh, through again. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that was fun. Um, I played some 5D chess with multiverse time travel. How did that go? Uh, it's a bit mind bending, but it's fun. Are you still in the correct timeline? I think so. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, you know, accidentally gone back in time and checkmated myself. Or have you? Maybe, maybe it hasn't happened yet. Oh. Maybe it will have happened yet, soon. We played some Tiny Epic Zombies. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it's a game I've been desperate to play for a little while now. Uh, fun fact, I thought we'd lend it to someone, it turns out it was just in a suitcase, because we'd <laughs> taken it to lend it to them, and then forgotten to give it to them while we were there, and then just not unpacked it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't travelled in like a year, therefore suitcase. Who needs a suitcase? Who's needed a suitcase in a long time? Exactly. And yeah. Then, uh-oh, SpaghettiOs, <laughs> there it is. Uh, yes, we. It, it's a little co-op game, you've got a little, all these cards laid out to be like a shopping centre, Three random objectives are dealt out. Try and do the objectives before, or without dying, or before you, the deck runs out of cards. Before that, zombies overrun your central yeah. base. That game is really well balanced in that every time we've played it, the deck of cards has always been within a few cards of running out. As we fi- we either finish the, object- uh, the objectives with a couple of cards left in the deck, or we lose and go one more turn and we would have done it. Like yeah. it's it's always right on the cusp. It's perfectly timed. Um we've also played this in five player, I think. Yeah. Cause previously we'd played it where um you and some friends had been the survivors and I basically DM'd as the zombie. Mm. And that's a really fun variant on the game. And it, it's cool that you can ho- have that whole competitive aspect as well and, and like get so much out of once again gaming games with just the tiniest fucking box. Yeah. It's such a small box and there is so much in there. But uh, yeah. Uh, what about you? Anything else? That's everything I've played this couple of weeks. Well then. Time for this. Welcome. Welcome. Uh time to time to get the seminar started. Um 
Right, everyone, you know how sometimes there are people who know more about a topic than you, agreed? Well, actually... Yeah, there are people who know more sometimes on a topic than you. Well, actually... No, no, we're going to have to get a yes out of you to move on with this. I mean, I could, I suppose, agree with you in certain ways that there are people who know less things than other people and, you know, not me. But there sometimes things aren't known. Mm. Do you agree that you may not have personal experience on every topic on the planet? I mean, I've read about a lot of things online and Person, I'm open to debate personal about... Personal experience. <laughs> okay. And personal experience allows people to give informed perspectives on an experience that you might not otherwise have, correct? Yeah, but I can... So there are some informed experiences you may not have that others might. Well... So right, okay, okay. Let's let's try this again. Let's try this. <clears throat> As a cis straight, able-bodied white dude, what do you do when a minority is talking about their lived experience that you have not experienced? I quote tweet another cis straight white guy who made a video about it. No. I linked a Wikipedia article written by a cis-straight white dude about it. No. I refer to a book written in the 1970s, probably by a cis-straight white able-bodied person. Oh, let's go back to the start. Right. Sometimes people know more about a topic than you, correct? Well, actually... We're going to be here all day. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was uh, disappointing, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, not what I was expecting. Yeah, I mean, I announced Jesus is back, second coming. Yeah, yeah, did all that war in the wine, walking on water stuff, it was clearly him. Yeah, yeah, and then he's just going on about, you know, the, the, the you know, financial institutions. I know, who is, who is this Jesus fellow to be complaining about how... We run our mega churches as Exactly, we run mega churches. Look, I mean, look at the number of people we've got in, and 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 who are they here for if not him? I mean, Capital H, obviously. I mean, yeah, maybe. But like, look, he's talking about us giving away all the stuff and helping the poor. <laughs> talking, talk about letting immigrants into the country. Yeah, but, but they didn't pay to be here. Oh, exactly. He's, he's coming on about, like, you know, giving people free healthcare and doing nice things for other people for no reason. Well, that just sounds like socialism. Indeed it does. And I, if, if I've learned anything living in America the last few decades, it's that uh, conservatism is the only Christian belief. Right. That's why they call them conservative Christian beliefs. Yeah. Because Christ would have been conservative. Probably, definitely. Probably, definitely. Well... Don't know why he's not being now. Probably Lib's got him. I I mean, to be fair, how do we know it's even Jesus? I mean, yes, he did all of those miracles, but he's not even a white guy. Um, Where's the long um, hair? Where's the robes? <laughs> I mean, none that up to me. I mean, it doesn't look like any of the church windows that I've had installed. Oh, exactly. exactly. And this building's got a lot of windows installed. Indeed. Oh, 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 oh. That locust's banging on the window. Yeah. Don't know why they'd be coming for us. I don't know. 
Also, I keep hearing just a, just a lot of frogs. A lot of frogs. A lot of frogs. Mm. A lot of angelic chanting. Probably nothing. Oh, yeah. And there was that that horn trumpeting earlier. Yeah, probably That's nothing. fine. Still, I hear they're nailing him up late this afternoon. Oh. Thing for him, isn't it? Yeah. That's one thing I don't mind the uh, tax money being used on. Exactly. I mean, he's a carpenter. I'll appreciate a good bit of woodwork. <laughs> so. <gasps> what have you put in your eyes? Uh, we watched a not great horror film together called Wounds. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um... It had such potential. Yeah, so it, it felt a little bit The Ring-esque in that, like, you've got this protagonist who accidentally sees some photos on a phone of some, like, some kind of gross killings or something, and then he starts getting some creepy phone calls, and it's like, ah, oh, you looked at these, therefore something bad's gonna happen to you now. Like, that kind of a setup. Mm. Um... They did a very good job of making a very hateable protagonist. I was very ready to see the main character just get fucking murdered. Yeah. I was I was very ready for it. I was ready to cheer when whatever terrible fate befell him. And the terrible fate befell him and then we were like, roll credits, you fucking what? Yeah, it feels like the film lacks an entire third act. It just... Out of nowhere, the main character just sort of dies and the film's just sort of over. Does does he die? Does he? Uh, he gets attacked, I think. He's spoilers. He's it's a terrible film. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. Um, so he goes to see the guy who got his face cut up at the beginning. Yeah. Into his apartment, and he's like saying weird stuff to him, and the guy's like, "Don't look at me, and don't do the thing. You yeah. can't be here." And then he notices that there's something inside the guy's wound on his face, and he's like starts talking into the wounds. <laughs> And then all the cockroaches and all the bugs and shit start flying all around the room. Black out the camera. It says something really cryptic to the wound as well. Like, heal me or something. Or complete yeah, me. It... And then, like, the, like, all the bugs, the bugs, the bugs, the bugs, the bugs, the bugs. Completely black out the camera. And then the fucking credits roll. Yeah, so, like, I'm not afraid to talk spoilers here. It seems like... Like, it, it, what either needed to happen was, like, the comeuppance for the main character needed to be a lot more, like, explicitly shown. To be like, okay, we've got some closure. He fucked around with something bad and something bad happened to him. Okay, I could have lived with that. Or some degree of understanding, like, what is occurring here? Did you interact with something supernatural? Is this just a case of, you know... You fucked with. You found a phone that some kids had, you know, recorded some like fucked up shit on, and they were like, "Oh, we're gonna fuck with you now." Like, so either some sense of closure on what was happening, or some sense of closure of watching this person suffer for being an asshole. But yeah. it didn't really have either of those. Yeah, it didn't like because clearly the kids had been fucking with something, but it was just he he he. We're evil. Fuck you. Ha ha ha. Yeah. We're gonna follow you around and torment you. And then there's, like, the guy from the beginning who's an absolute arsehole and gets his face cut, and then they pop upstairs to his apartment at one point, and um, he's got a, conf a huge Confederate flag on the wall. There's the scene where he goes to the police station and they've got a thin blue line flag on the wall, because this film is not at all subtle. No, but, like, here's the thing, is it set up all of these, like, okay, I'm ready to... Yeah. watch you get punished, but I just need some kind of justification, like... 
is this a curse that's coming for really bad shitty misogynist men is it a you know is this uh they summon something weird from hell and now it's, it's, it's chasing after anyone that... there was that whole thing about the transference of wounds yeah the website it's... and the books that were in the background of the the scary pictures yeah but like just none of the mystery threads went anywhere they set up a bunch of things and then Oh, some spooky bugs came out of a wound, cut to black. They kind of they kind of went places just not anywhere in any way satisfying. Like it does not earn the end at the ending at all. Yeah. It's, it's like if you wanted to make that your like end of act two, cool. Yeah. Like, then maybe the asshole guy that we've been following the whole film becomes some like horrific um avatar yeah, of, like, of of the wounds. It- and he's like dripping bugs everywhere and chasing the kids that fucked him up at the beginning. That would have been the end of an interesting film. I'll tell you where I thought this was going when it first cut to black, is I thought we were going to cut to black, hold for a second, and we were going to switch perspective to his wife, who the whole way through had seemed much more level-headed about, like, take this fucking seriously, what do we do about this? I was ready for him to, like, die off at screen or get, like, you know, infected or whatever, and his wife to come in and be the third act... Just flamethrower him or something. I mean, basically, and be like, aha, this is what's going on, now I will flamethrower my my cockroach wound husband. (laughs) My cockroach wound husband. But like, there's, you know what I mean? Like, it it lacked something that felt like an ending. You just didn't have a thing that felt like an ending. Like, I love good bad films, but this was not a good bad film. Yeah. We've we've watched some bad films where I'd be like, "Ah, I'd watch that again. It was bad, but I had a fun time. That that yeah. one set at the uh, fake VidCon. Velocipasta. Uh, oh, Velocipasta. The VidCon yeah. one I would watch again. Yeah, exactly. But like this was... It felt like they ran out of money halfway through filming and went, I guess we finish it here. Yeah. It it had the real feel of we suddenly ran out of budget or time. Yeah, yeah, that that that's definitely the vibe. I we need there. an ending here because we have no more money. That we spent all the money on this one scene. It's the most spectacular thing we could manage... So roll credits? Question mark. Yeah. What about you? What have you watched uh, this this couple of weeks? Uh, we rewatched the Matrix of all things. We did. How did? How did you? I've watched it more recently than you. How did you find this rewatch? Yeah, I don't think I've watched it in about twenty years. Um, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I still enjoy the first Matrix movie. That's, that's it, it was interesting it to see pretty well. recolor graded because when I saw it, it was grey. Yes. And then I remember going and watching the sequels and going, but but why are the sequels so green when the original was grey? It's like, I found out that was a problem with transferring it to DVD. And whoever was in charge of putting it on certain editions of the DVD didn't understand that it was deliberately colour graded green. (laughs) So had sort of corrected it to this weird grey. So yeah, I guess it made more sense to watch it that way. Watching it together with you, it was nice to discuss like what I remembered from the later films and being like, oh yeah, no, they set some of this up well, and I understand why some of the characters are doing some of the things they're doing, and there, there's some interesting stuff in there. Yeah. I still think the villain turn is fairly well handled, if a little, uh, a little heavily foreshadowed a bit earlier in the film. Yeah, I mean, he's not subtle at all about his, no. his issues, but like the way that like. That whole aha, I'm going to be open about about the bad thing scene is like very well acted. Mm. 
Um, you know, I, I enjoy it as a film. Yeah. It's visually interesting. Some of the, the, the visual stuff holds up in, like, to this day. Yeah. Some of it. Flame and liquid effects have aged uh, worse yeah. than, say, um, bodies morphing. Those have held up pretty well. Mm. They've held up relatively well. They don't draw me out of the experience. So, talking about the Matrix and, and weird body things, I worked in a model shop um, mm. during the time of the Matrix films, or, or at least the sequels. And one thing I've always noticed about photo scans of Keanu Reeves' face is it never fucking looks like him. Never. Yeah. He is unscannable. He is because an eternal god. He is, but he like clearly the the lasers say something that the 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 visually doesn't ever occur on him because if you look at him and then you look at the most of the sideshow figures yeah. mo- or like the the sideshow um busts that they did, which were from the same digital scans used in the film, and just like that's not Keanu Reeves, what the fuck? And then there's the scenes in the Burly Brawl when it's an entirely digital Keanu, and you're like, that looks fucking nothing like him. What happened? Keanu has an impossible to capture face. He does. And it, I, I believe it has something to do with his inability to age. Maybe so. The lights refracting off him in some strange ways that fuck up the lasers or Maybe something. Maybe so. But like, I like you can always <laughs> spot a weird digital Keanu. And the other thing I think I watched in a corridor or d- digital video like a long time ago. Talking about a lot of the problem with um, like making digital characters back in the day, and some some less well done, even to even more modern ones, is the fact that very often the fabrics have to get smoothed to fuck yes. because it's way too difficult to do like too many ripples in a fabric. Yeah, I think I think that there is a very specific reason that one of the characters in the sort of later part of that film is largely wearing a latex bodysuit mm-hmm. because that is easier to CGI. Mm-hmm. I still think that um, the the scene at the beginning with yes. uh, the the jump kick with Carrie Ann Moss, like I think the fact that a lot a lot of the time that whole room is is CG still holds up really well. Yeah, compared to some of the others, like that. That's not good, did you? But yeah, yeah. it's um, some of the practical work I still love, yeah. like the the HR guy Goreska waking up in the in the weird egg with the tubes in the back oh, of yeah. the neck. Like, oh, that's perfect consistency of the the goo membrane. Mm. Yeah, mm. stretch me goo membrane. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 alright. I kind of want to rewatch the sequels at some point because the sequels I haven't rewatched in God knows how many years. I remember quite liking the second one and just like being like no for the third one. I'm I'm curious to see if if time has softened my feelings on them. Probably, yeah. Probably because I've had a lot of people being like, oh yeah, watch two and three. Everyone hated them at the time. I don't understand why. Because it was cool to hate them. It's like no, I. Because I wasn't part of anything at the time. I just genuinely didn't like th- 3 at I, the very I, I feel like I would feel the same way re-watching 3 as I do say re- I, I did when I replayed Mass Effect Andromeda. Knowing what it is and what to mm. expect and setting my expectations properly, I will probably have a more enjoyable experience with it. Yeah, I think I think 2 has more interesting fight scenes and... Um... I think I think my probably my main problem is too much of three is in the real world, and then th- there's that ending. <laughs> 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 
Uh, what about you? Have you watched anything else? Uh, we watched the first episode of uh, Marvel What If. We did. Which is about Peggy Carter. What if if Peggy got the super serum instead of Steve Carter? Rogers? What if Captain Carter? Um, I've seen very mixed thoughts on the uh, the animation style. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the animation style. I mean, I, I can see why it's not for everyone. I feel like it works... It, it definitely excels in uh, action and fight scenes more so than it does in standing, speaking to each other scenes. I, I feel like is where it, it, it show, shines best, but... I think it's fine. Yeah, I, I feel like they did a good job of telling a condensed, satisfying little micro story. Yeah. I have a real suspicion the whole way through these What If episodes, I'm just going to be watching them going... Oh, that's really cool. Why didn't we get that story? That seems cooler than what the MCU gave us. Yeah, Yeah, Mm. I feel like there's going to be a lot of I'd rather be watching this version of the MCU. Give us that. that. Yeah, give give us a series about this rather than Falcon and the Winter Soldier doing Warcraft. Yeah, one that, please. (laughs) What about you? Have you watched anything else? Uh, No, I think that's everything. I think that's everything I've watched as well. Well then. (gasps) Time for this. Hello, got sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? Well, do you like getting married? I, I did. I very much enjoyed it. I recommend it. And you got married in a way that was very special to you. Oh yeah, I got married on a train. That's a, a special interest. That I is have. a special interest of yours. What if? Because there are other special interests <gasps> in the world. Other people do have other special interests. What if other people with special interests could get married in their special interest <gasps> special way? That'd be really wonderful. But like, I don't think a, a, a business exists for that because, you know, I had to win a competition to get this wedding. Ah, but being prompted by having seen <gasps> all of the press around in oh, our wedding. Oh, I see. <laughs> somebody has created special interest weddings. <gasps> do you want to get married in an aquarium surrounded by fish because your autism special interest is scale colorations? I mean, not me, but that sounds wonderful for someone. What if someone wanted to get married in a hot air balloon? I, I mean, if that's their special interest, that sounds delightful. What if someone wanted to get married on a train? <gasps> I mean, do that. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good that. one. I recommend that one. Well, try a special interest wedding. We will arrange... A hyper-specific, one-of-a-kind wedding tailored to suit that one thing you're absolutely obsessed with. Oh, heck. That that one thing. That one very specific oh, thing. Oh, that's going to be a very special wedding. So go to specialinterestweddings.lol.net and enter the code QNPS178 and you can get 25% off your very special day. Inside the boardroom of Electronic Active Softworks. Hi. Hi. So... Uh, you know that that uh, that uh, shooter game we got where we drop all the people on the island together. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the two weeks thing. Two weeks, yeah, yeah. So people have been, you know, not playing as much recently. Uh, but like, have we not just done a new season? I know, I know. And we put, you know, we put uh, we put that singer in there doing a concert. And we yeah. Put the you know that actor in as a character, but we did the par- Pokemon thing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but apparently, you know. The game just being the same one video game cannot infinitely make people keep playing. Right. So, so we go back to the original idea, right? We make it like a, like a Yu-Gi-Oh thing. It's about a series of games rather than just one mode. I mean, yeah. So this is where I was thinking. Because, you know, you know how originally like we had an original mode of our own and then we kind of stole that other Battle Royale game's whole thing and were more popular than them? I mean, I wouldn't call it stealing. 
Not where anyone can hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. You know how we just like, we stole another game to make this one. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah. no one cared. Yeah, no, no. I'm thinking we just do more of that. We right. make We make more game modes that are just stolen other games. Right. So um, like here's here's one I got one I right, got one I'd be right, working right, on. Right. Um, I'm thinking we have a fo- a mode for two weeks where um, you have a bunch of characters, maybe ten or so characters, right. in a ship together. They all have to do objectives and they run around doing objectives. Right. But a couple of the players are actually secretly imposters. Right. And they're trying to kill the players without getting noticed. And if you find a body, you can call a meeting and discuss right, who right, did the right, who right. did the murder. Like the mongoose game. Yeah, like the, the mongoose game. Yeah. Um I, I think we literally just call it imposters. Like we, we literally use the term from their game to call it. And it's yeah. it's literally just their game but in 3D. Okay, so we're not gonna do like a whole thing where we're just um we're 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 not just sticking with guns. We're 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 just going way off here. Yeah, no, we're literally just making like, hey, we're making that that other game. Okay, so at some point, if we wanted to say have little creatures that uh, happen to be found around the map, and you you collect them up, and yeah. then you make them fight for your entertainment. Exactly. Maybe you had to find all. You had to collect them all. Yeah, and we'll call it like uh, co- collect. Collect for Collectamons. Collectamons, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you'd use them for battles and, you know, maybe we drop... Maybe we still drop a hundred people into a map and now they have Collectamons. Yeah, and, and the last one wins the, you know, the some colored league or something. Yeah, the, the, the last one alive, you know, gets to be the very best like no one was before. I mean, that sounds... You know, that sounds brilliant. original. Yeah, original. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So original. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and what if uh, we just dropped one person into a huge open world and they had a, a huge adventure and they helped a princess fight like oh, a, I see. a huge yeah. demon or something? Maybe give them a sword. Yeah, I mean, maybe give them several swords. Uh, yeah. Weapon degradation. Like, yeah. everyone loves that, right? Exactly. Okay, I got one more for okay, you. I got sure, one more. Sure, sure. What if we have a map that's like... Uh, it's viewed from top down. It's kind right. of like a maze or a labyrinth. Right. And the player has to run around collecting little dots. Right. And right. Uh, avoiding right. ghosts that are trying to get them. Right. But what if they get, like, they find a way out of, of the maze? Oh, on they'll come side. back on the other side. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And yeah. there's these little special power dots that let them, you know, defeat the ghosts. What about fruit? Oh, uh, yeah. Of course, it's fruit. You are a fucking genius. <laughs> I know. So. What have you put in your ears? Uh, we've, we had a wedding. We and had that wedding. had music that we listened to. We did. I do do you want to talk about our wedding playlist? I think I went through the wedding playlist last episode, but I will go through it again. Um, there were a couple of medic, uh, med- modifications by the time I came to actually mixing the whole thing together yeah. for a laugh. Just so that we wouldn't have to be up and down to the... Uh, to mess around with music. Uh, so, um, in no particular order, My Chemical Romance, The Black Parade, My Chemical Romance, Helena. Uh, na na na. Uh, Steven Universe, Stronger Than You, Steven Universe, Be Wherever You Are. Uh, we walked up the, the aisle to that did. one. It was adorable. We scuttled down the aisle. Yeah. Shuffled being led sort of from in front. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't fit two people side by side in a train aisle. No, and one of them is me, and they are chunky. And one of us is in a wedding dress. Mm-hmm. We're both in wedding dresses. Well, Yours was more traditional. <laughs> I spent all day sort of just like, wait till she's gone, wait till she's gone, don't step on it, don't step on it. My- and 
My, mine was a wedding dress that took up space. You're allowed to take up space. You should take up space. Yanivi uh, versus Snow in former. Oh, I was I was many proseccos deep when that came on, and oh, I was ready for a sing song. I'm ready for some dubstep. In former, you don't say Daddy Me Snow Me. I could play my licky bum bum down. Take to say me Daddy Me Snow Me. Stab someone down the lane. The licky bum bum down. Vanga boys, we like to party. We like we like to party. We like to party. Kimmy Dawson, happy home. Keep on writing. Uh, Mode Step and the Party Squad, uh, Rainbow, uh, Wilkinson Afterglow, Zed's Dead, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood, Tracy, Chap- Tracy Chapman, Fast Car, uh, MCR Kids from Yesterday, The Shaman, Ebenezer Good, Eiffel 65, I'm Blue, Shock One, uh, Prelude and Light Cycles, because they just flow nicely together, uh, Bass Necks are Feeling Good, um, Film Hack featuring <gasps> Gina Allen, uh, the uh, We Got Bass. We Got Bass. We Got Bass. Uh, Fox Stevenson, Double Up, Miracle of Sound, Celebrate and Rejoice. Yes, we sent Gavin a video <laughs> just to make him feel included. Uh, Backstreet's Boys, Backstreet's Back, because... Yeah. Sure. Uh, Shock One, follow me. Smash Mouth, All Star. Uh, we our first dance was King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard Slow Jam Two. Her and I. A condensed version. Yeah, I I made a four minute version rather than the eight minute version because yeah. I did not want to be trying to dance on a train, uh, with just the two of us uh, for for eight whole minutes <laughs> while people stared. <laughs> um, MCR Summertime Contrast Dance. Mm. And then we got into the really meme shit. Um, Fred, uh, Fred V and Graphics Major Happy. That's not meme Um God, what? Oh, uh, I re-rolled everyone at the very, very end. <laughs> um, followed by Ailstorm. Uh, I am a cider drinker. Their cover of that. Um, I'm sure there's something else in there that's really, really memey, and I can't remember what I put in. Quite but, possibly, but that, but that that's the majority of it. That, the the main things I want to point out on there, um, Ebenezer Good came on, and my mum was like, "Oh, I remember this," and she's sort of bopping along. I'm like, "Oh, you're you remember these this one, good. dear?" These are good. Ebenezer are good. <laughs> um, also, during "I'm Blue" by Eiffel sixty five, uh, there was a lot of discussion between me and some friends about. The various misheard lyrics people had for that song. I'm blue, da ba dee, da ba die. Yes, but that has been misheard. <gasps> Some of my friends have misheard it as, I'm blue, if I was green, I would die. And now that you've said that, I can't unhear it. Yeah, and some of them misheard it as, um, uh, I'm blue, I'm in need of a guy. I'm in need of a guy, I'm in need of a guy. I'm in need of a guy. Yeah. I'm in need of a guy. Yeah, now, you see, now I know that one, I also can't unhear that one. Yeah. So, I'm going to keep adding, I'm like, right, give me give me more things to say at that cadence. Ma. 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 Uh, what about you? What have you listened to this week? I mean, that was it. It was mostly putting that together, mixing that. Um, I'm still working my way through Magnus Archives. I'm on, like, 190 now. So Ooh. I'm very close to having listened to that again. And then I will finally get back to Dice Funk. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much all of my listenings. I've got a couple of other tracks. I listened to a few bits of new music yeah. this week. Um, I've been really, really, really hooked on a track called Reverberate by a band called Bears in Trees. Okay. Um, they're a British band from Croydon. Uh, this track mixes like... Uh, rock music with some nice piano mixed in and 
the vocalist definitely has a regional accent to their singing that is like really nice. I very much enjoy it. I love me a South of London accent. Yeah, it's where I grew um, up, so it's, it's homely. Got, yeah, the 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 track's got really smart, catchy lyricism and a very emotionally moving sort of crescendo as it builds up. Um, about you know. Friends helping you through tough times and being like, hey, you know, I love my friends and they make everything feel okay. And it's it's very empowering and makes me very happy about my friends. Um, really lovely song. Uh, they did a tour in July of this year. I missed that, but I'm going to keep an eye open because cool new UK band that is currently making new music that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I want to go and try and see them live at some point because they yeah. seem really neat. Yeah. Um, I first found them from a TikTok of them performing live when they'd been on tour just after they finished touring, of them performing this song, and it was just of, like, the sort of peak crescendo at the end of the track and all the audience singing along, and I was like, this is beautiful and really moving, I need to go find this band. Yay! And really enjoyed it, so... Yay! Um... I also listened to a new track by uh, Kim Dawson. A new track? The, the track's not new. It's new to me. I've never okay. listened to it before. A, tra- a new to me track by Kim Dawson. You mean it's not on Alphabet? <laughs> no. I, I mean, I've listened to non-Alphabet stuff, oh, but yeah. uh, this one I hadn't come across before. It's a track called The Beer. Um, it is a sort of like folk punk guitar track about her self-destructive battle with alcohol and drug use over the years. Um... Really moving, beautiful, kind of haunting track um, about like a self-destructive spiral and and trying to come out the other end of that and her hitting rock bottom and having her moment of I could really fuck some shit up if I don't deal with this and it's a really beautiful track. Um, so that's 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 another good one I found this week. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's everything I've listened to this week. Well then, time for this. Is your life too much? Uh-huh. Are you constantly stressed out by the horrific state of the world? Mm-hmm. For just three pounds a month, we'll beam pictures of cute animals directly into your brain every ten minutes. Choose from a huge selection of animals to suit your calming needs. Try Soothe Moods today, and you're never more than ten minutes away from... Oh yay! Oh yay! Do you need a wig? Yes. Some poorly made jewellery? Maybe. Not picks? Sure. Shower curtain? Maybe. Side mirrors for 100cc Peugeot scooter? I mean, at some point. Pin badge of a tolerable rabbit's humping? Wait, 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 Possibly wait, wait, wait. toxic tooth whitening product? I probably wouldn't Nibble trust... claps for all occasions. Okay. Jason Voorhees bobblehead. Uh, thank you. An extension for a McLaren buggy for sun visor? Uh, no. Final stickies for stickers for your wheelie bin? Maybe. A bag of runes? What kind of runes? A t-shirt with stolen designs made from horrible quality materials that would make you itch. Uh, no, I'd, I'd probably get the original. Potentially dangerous PC parts. I'm not putting that in my computer. A magnet keyring for removing security tags from clothes. I mean, there's a time in my life I would have wanted that. A camping saw. No. Ugly sunglasses. No. A statue. Yes. A dildo so cheap it'll literally poison you. No. A lipstick vibrator. No. It's free. Just pay shipping. Uh-huh. Maybe. A go board. What's that? It's the game of Go. It's it's one of the most ancient uh, board games ever. uh, Yes. Okay. A knockoff Pokemon cards. No. A 12 pack of turkey pastures. No. Real cart earrings. No. Come on down and wish. 
Whether you want it or not, we've got it for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any idea how far I didn't have to scroll to see every single one of those things today? Oh, I guarantee it took you like five minutes. Questions, Sam. Let's have a questions. What's the questions? Uh, first question is from Callum Turner. Hi, Callum. Hi. Um, last week during the hottest day at work, I managed to hit Magnus 170 and 177 and SCP 3890 in one day and discovered how upsetting that subject matter can be for me. The question being, have you ever had a series of consequences leading you to a discovery of a new thing you enjoy or a discovery of a new personal distaste? Oh, oh. Um, For clarity uh, on that question, 170 is, I believe, the um, Martin alone. um, Oh, the... yeah, you can't remember, and he keeps finding the, the recorder. The, the, the and dementia, starting the, again, yeah, the again. dementia episode. Uh, the yeah. other one, I think, is one of the hospital ones. Yes. Oh, it's the one where the 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 bad therapist one that really triggered me. Oh, the um the gaslighty therapist. Yes. Yeah. And SCP three eight nine zero is that one you listened to called about uh, about forgetting. Yes, the the one where like the forgetting monster was a, a physically stabbable thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes that's I don't know I don't remember when I discovered that was a thing that like I have fear around but like yeah no one hundred percent those are all those are all some fucking narratives um mm-hmm. yeah what about what about you have you got any memories of discovering a thing you either like or dislike um I mean I've discovered kinks accidentally <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the first time I saw ovipositors and everyone was <laughs> like ha ha look at how gross this and, and perverse this thing I was like. But, but, but I mean, what look, if the slimy eggs were inside? Me? I mean, look, let's let's be honest. I feel like one hundred percent of kinks you are discovered that way. I feel like that's the only way anyone discovers a kink is people going, "That's a weird kink," and you go, "Well, well, well, well what, what if, if what if what if I did what that? if I just gave that a go?" <laughs> I think uh, I think many people would be less repressed and angry if they were just allowed to get on with with their non harmful kinks. Yeah, yeah. I let people do the stuff that doesn't hurt anyone. <laughs> doesn't hurt anyone. It's just consenting adults doing consenting adult stuff. Yeah, let them get on with it. Doesn't hurt anyone. Um, I it not 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 necessarily a direct answer to the question, but thinking about Magnus Archives episodes and stuff, where I was like, I didn't expect to have these responses to these episodes until I listened. Mm. Um, I didn't expect to find the episodes about, like, the vast and the deep as calming as I found them. Oh, I find the vast and the deep very calming. Yeah, I, I, you know, in practicality, you know, obviously physically terrifying, but to just have it described, I'm like, yes, can you temporarily put me in nothing of empty or nice and confined in nothing? Just quiet away from everything it's it's interesting that they they that they are so the lonely is is in in magnus is put in such a way as for the people who fear it it is this big horrible thing and for the people who uh manifest it or work for it, it it's it's very relaxing and calming yeah that's but like um as uh, peter lucas says in one of the episodes like 
He didn't like the idea of a whole world being consumed by the lonely and only the lonely. Yeah. Because the idea that there isn't that window to look in at, at the world and go, I'm shunned by them. That was never my thing. Because like, several times I've written both horror stories and like personal comfort stories about a world in which you suddenly find yourself and know not only that you are alone, but that you are absolutely alone in an entire dimension. Yeah. That there isn't anyone. You could walk forever and never encounter another person ever. Nothing else exists apart from you in this place. You are completely alone. And that is, at one time, fucking horrifying because of just knowing what it can be like to spend too much time on your own and start to go a bit strange. And other times just be like, I just wish everyone would fuck off. It's yeah. it's almost the antithesis to livent. <laughs> yes. Um. It, I don't know if I've ever explained that on the show before. Someone someone mentioned it on Twitter. I think the concept of I don't want to be dead. I just would like to not be alive for a few hours. Yeah. And just have that comfort. So I suppose the idea that if everyone else was just liventing, while I yeah. I had the freedom to explore. Yeah. Yeah. That. It's. <laughs> Yeah, because here's the thing. I find the the lonely in the Magnus archives and its its various things. I find them carving as a person that can th- that lives in a very busy, sensory, overwhelming world, and sees you know both the vast and the deep as contrast and escape from the realities of what I struggle with currently. Mm. That are calming when viewed from a temporary perspective. Yeah. Um, like, I know that in practice, if you put me in infinite nothingness forever, or buried alive, unable to move infinitely deep away from everything forever, wouldn't actually like it. Mm. But to hear stories about it, I'm like, mm, yes, please give me that. Um, I would very much like to just, like, c- can I just teleport ever so briefly for, you know, a, a couple of hours every week, to the infinite nothing void yeah. and just sort of float in the infinite nothing void. And I suppose that's what sensory deprivation tanks are, kind of. Um, but like, yeah, send me to the nothing void for a bit or, you know, bury me alive for a couple of hours and then just like, oh, there we go, I'm back. Cool. Very much appreciated just being trapped alone for a while. Oh. F- fucking no one can can reach me here. Just just flick the off switch for a little while. You know what it is? It's the fucking Sesame Street song. I don't want to live on the moon. I don't live on the moon. Yeah, you know, I, I, I would like to go visit the, the vast or the deep. Yeah, but I don't want to live in the vast or the deep. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, that was an answer to your question. Um, Omega on the Saint asks, how might a train wedding go differently if it was specifically aboard uh, a Shinkansen? Can Kansen? Uh, Shinkansen. So, yeah, Shinkansen is basically basically the bullet train. Uh, rather than going 125 miles an hour as we were doing, these go at about 320 miles an hour. Cool. Um, I will say, these are not tilting trains, so we might have an easier time standing upright. Mm. Maybe. from I've never ridden the Shinkansen, but from all accounts... Very, very, very smooth. That's a fascinating design on the front. Yeah, right. That is. It's got car vibes, like yeah. like one of those land speed record cars. It, it, I if, suppose if that makes gonna, sense. If you're going to go 320, uh, not 320 miles an hour, 320 kilometers an hour, 
you're going to need an aerodynamic front of your train. Um, I like the Hello Kitty pink one. Oh, yeah, the one that just looks like a little uh, fucking torpedo beak. Like a tiny rocket. Yeah. And also it's pink. I like yeah. it. Um, I mean, I feel like the, 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 the big difference would just be um, balance for corners. Mm-hmm. Would, you know, we're going to tilt less, but also there's probably going to be a bit more G-force. More G's. Yeah. Yeah. Less easy to dance in the aisles, perhaps. I imagine so. <laughs> and also on the Shinkansen, probably less dancing on the seats. They'd probably be very upset about that. They probably would be, but also it's our wedding. You can't stop us. You probably can't stop us in Japan. They didn't stop us. Uh, <laughs> a Caledonian sleeper. Oh. I wouldn't want to like, be trying to dance or walk down the aisle and then fall into one of those jaggedy tables. Yeah, so, so some of the like shared shared areas where you've got like, you know, bench seating on one side and window seating on the other have these triangular designs that I wouldn't want to accidentally fall over mid-first dance and mm-hmm. ouch, that's a sharp table. Yeah. Um Yeah, I, I feel like that would be would be tricky. Um like the the because the the bedroom space, like, you know, they're they're too small. You couldn't have a party in those. You'd have to have the party in the shared spaces. Mm. Um Although, you know, hey, a Caledonian sleeper, that is a very, very, very lengthy train journey. We'd have had more time to party, more more time to get drunk, and then beds to sleep off the getting drunk in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe that would have been all right. I mean, to be fair, I crashed out after the wedding, so I, I, a yeah. sleep would have been good. <laughs> to be fair, we'd been up from like five o'clock, so... Yeah, it was, it was a Crashing long day. Crashing out at six wasn't... <laughs> Wasn't the, was it six or seven something like that? It was really fucking we, early. We 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 went to sleep pretty early. Um, a DLR train. <gasps> oh, I would be far too busy pretending I was driving the train to, uh, you know, actually pay attention to the wedding. I mean, I'm like, isn't... I know this is my wedding day with you, Jane, but I'm driving the train. I'd, I'd bring along my train simulator controller for PC and put it at the front of the DLR and be like, see, I'm driving the train, eh, the dials. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't bring your hat or whistle. <laughs> um, Thomas the Tank Engine. I don't want to get married in a sentient vehicle. The sentient vehicle. <laughs> I'd, I'd be like, I'm, I'm very sorry, Thomas, that we're not, you know... We didn't invite you to the wedding, but we're inside you. You can't really get your head in here. I'm now imagining that image of the but Thomas the... is crawling out the front of the fucking train. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I don't. I don't want, I to, want in... to join the wedding. Can I have some cake, please? I don't want to invite a cosmic horror to join the wedding. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, Thomas the weed engine. I assume that's just Thomas, but more dank. I mean, look. Thomas the Weed Engine can come join because look, Thomas the Weed as, Engine sounds way more chill. As long as you bring some, 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 you know, some, some stuff with you, yeah. I'll probably be a lot less freaked out about the eldritch creature trying to drive it, uh, climb into the train. Cheer, cheer, y'all getting married, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want some? You want some brownies? Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations to the happy couple. <laughs> cheer, cheer. <laughs> Do we have any other questions? <laughs> That's all the questions. Well then, time for this. Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Brochure Justice Warriors. Brochure Justice Warriors. Yeah. All right, Larry. All right, Larry. How you doing? Uh, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. You know, uh, I've been 
Been a bit busy now, things are opening up a bit. We yeah, had a really same. nice walk the other day. Oh, yeah, same. Well, I did so as well. It was no, absolutely no, lovely. Yeah. It's been nice to get out and about a bit more now. I'm a little bit more safe to do so. I've, I've caught a tan for the first time in oh, gosh. years, in fact. Look at you go. Oh, I know. It's very strange. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh, I've, I've I've been I've been like you. I've been doing a lot more outside, but I've yeah. also you know carefully though. Yeah, yeah, doing outside carefully. Uh, still masking up outside. Oh yeah, but I've also been inside. I've also been you know enjoying the bits of uh, media and whatnot. Oh yeah, you know, I've I've discovered a lot of new Twitch channels since I've been uh, spending more time at home. Less yeah. on YouTube, funnily enough. I think yeah. the number of adverts are driving me away yeah, from it. Same, but. Uh, it's been a bit of a problem going around on Twitch recently the last oh, couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, well, it's been a long-term problem. It's been considerably worse in the it's last so, few weeks. Yeah, it's been worse. It's been more brought to light. I don't know if that's to do with the, the tags, but um, as, yeah. as people, you know, have been in, in suffering from these uh, these issues, you know, why should they have to stop using the, the, the yeah. nice tags? So, yeah, we, we talked about, you know, I, 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 I was aware of the, uh, the tags when they started happening on Twitch and people yeah, could yeah. put more identity signifiers and... I was honestly surprised by how uh, positive they were received, and at the time, around their release, like they did not result in a instant uptick in targeted harassment. Yeah. But for some reason, it has taken several months, but suddenly it has started happening, and there has started being some pretty horrid targeted harassment raids uh, yeah. on minority streamers, uh, particularly on black streamers and trans streamers yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, autistic streamers. Uh, people who are at the intersection of those have been having it particularly rough. Um, there has been a lot of... Uh, how do I put this? A lot of creative getting around word filters and a lot of uh, not empowering creators with the tools they need to prevent certain users from continuing to hate raid. Like, people are getting through and managing a certain raid, and then that same channel is going on to hate raid three or four more other channels in the same day, and Twitch isn't doing anything about it, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're blocking the accounts that are being sent in the raid, but not the accounts that are sending the accounts, which, you know... Twitch is really not taking this seriously. People no. have been talking about it pretty vocally for uh, the last week. and Yeah, I noticed Twitch did a, a thing on YouTube. They were like, we hear you, we, we've seen that this is happening and we're going to do better. And that naturally resulted in lots of people saying, well, we'll wait to see it, but, uh, you yeah. know, nice words. They're not, you know, announced any actionable changes they're going to make or given any kind of timetable or offered any support or help to the people being targeted yeah. until they can find a solution they're just sort of like yeah just live with it a while we might do something and this is twitch in general this is social media platforms for video in general um very willing to uh give a platform to people not willing to make the effort to be responsible for keeping those platforms safe for those creators that make their platforms what they are Sort your fucking shit out, Twitch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they need to do much better. They need to... I don't know exactly what they need to do. You know, I'm not uh, I'm not someone who works in, in security or resilience or any of that stuff for, for, for online stuff, but it seems like there must be ways of, you know, protecting people better or at least making it a little bit more difficult to do this. I realise, obviously, they want to be inclusive and, you know, uh, so they're, they're not restricting it to um, uh, basic ASCII um, 
romanized characters only you yeah. know and that's where i've some of the stuff i saw earlier tonight of uh creative uses of getting around the n-word by uh using yeah. um japanese characters i think some of them were yeah there's been a lot of different uh this looks close enough to that letter so yeah, i'm gonna use the, that. the algebraic letters being thrown in there yeah. and stuff it's like oh no you know i i understand how that is happening but it doesn't seem that it should be that difficult to go if the string of any of these are flagged up it doesn't seem like it would be a difficult task for Twitch to, let's say, look at all characters that are acceptable in text in their platform and go, do any of these look like other characters? If so, when running our, you know, profanity filter, look for, is is this one of the banned words, but with a letter that looks similar filtered in? Like generate. It doesn't you know, feel like it should be that difficult yeah, to, uh, to search it, for something. It, it like feels that. like as long as you create associations between this looks like an eye and this looks like an eye and this looks like an eye, if any of them are in this position in the thing that spells out a word, that's that's probably the bad word. Yeah. That's uh, your hug. Oh yes, mate. Yes, I do. <sighs> good hug, mate. Good hug. Good hug. Oh, right. I think I'm uh, going to go for a little lie down. Yeah, go have an early night, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, nice. 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 So, Laura, <gasps> where can we find you on the internet, darling? Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. Uh, Twitch stream Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 10 pm UK, 5 pm Eastern, 2 pm Pacific. For the foreseeable future, Fridays, Fixation Friday, we're going to be doing Train Simulator speedrun streams. Um, other than that, I've got books, Uncomfortable Labels, that's out now. Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, that's out now. Gender Euphoria, that's out now. There's also podcasts, Pixel Squirts, about video game character pornography. Podquisition, we tell you whether your favourite video games are great or perfect. Dice Funk, it's a Dungeons & Dragons podcast, each season's its own story, jump into whatever one you like. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. I'm also on another podcast with you that isn't this one, Jane. That's Polyamory, which we kind of mentioned earlier while talking about boyfriend dungeon. Yeah. We don't. We you can't date any of the swords in in Polyamory. Um, it's not that kind of sword. Um, yeah. Where are we? Uh, Calburnium. Stuff's happening in Calburnia. Bad stuff. I had to write special music for the outro to that episode. Mm. So watch little watch listen to the most recent episode of Polyamory and then listen to all the rest of them because it's, especially season two is very good. Um I also make music under the name Bedroom Programmer. I would like to get back to that. We've been very busy. Um we've, we've been very busy with the secret project. The secret project. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh gosh, what else have we got? We've got uh, we got music. We got t- Grim Pleasant Strangers T-shirts are available. <gasps> there will be links in the description. Uh, I have other links, uh, other T-shirts available on my Redbubble. That's janiac.redbubble.com. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help me justify a seventy-six hour work week. Uh, that's uh, patreoncom radio. For ten dollars a month, you can get early access to Grim Pleasant Strangers and Polyamory, and anything else I think to do early access to. And you can help keep me in board games and uh, help fight off the the, the debt and depression. Yay! Wow.
I love you. I love you too. Um... Uh, all the mailings can be found at streamlinks.com slash janiac j-a-n-e-i-a-c Laura oh, sing please darling until next time be a stranger mm-hmm.